0: This week on Grape Encounters Radio.
1: So, do I taste the
2: wine first or the food
0: first?
1: One major thing about food and wine pairing: always taste the food and wine in your mouth at the same time. How do we do that? Usually, we chase food with wine or wine with food. The best way to do it is to have the bite and then have the sip. Right, that's what I'm going to do. So, keep talking. I'm
2: going to bite and sip.
0: And now, transmitting our signal to wine lovers of the world, we bring you Grape Encounters with David Wilson.
3: Peel me a grape,
0: crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz For my pillow
2: And it is time for your weekly grape encounter and I have been looking forward to doing this particular show for a very long time because in the wine world we talk an awful lot about pairing wine with food but usually that conversation is about pairing with the kinds of traditional things that we eat on the American dining room table things like meat, poultry and fish but what in the world do you do when you need to pair with spicy foods? And the answer is, it really depends on the spicy food because not all spicy foods are the same. And as a matter of fact, we misuse the word spice an awful lot in the American vernacular. Anyway, I am so pleased to have in the studio somebody who is going to help clarify that. She is not just a spicy food expert. She is also, along with her husband, one of the winemakers at LXV Wine on the central coast of California. And by the way, she is also Indian. And so why not, in a conversation about spicy foods, talk about one of the most difficult spicy foods to pair with, at least in most people's minds, and also one of the spiciest. So I'd now like to welcome to the Grape Encounters studio that smells like an Indian restaurant. Anita, it's about time we do this.
1: I know. And let me paint a picture for everyone. We have Indian food here. We have about 15 bottles of wine open. So let's just (laughs) hope that we can get through the show, David. You
2: are somebody who consults with a lot of wineries and also individuals who want to know about pairing spicy foods with wine. But let's start with the terms spicy and explain why that should not be a catch-all term and why it is different between different ethnic foods like Mexican food versus Thai food versus Indian food. That's the important place to start.
1: There is spice that comes from chilies that has capsaicin in it. And then there is spice that comes from brown spices. So you have cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, coriander, cloves, that constitutes a group of spices which is mainly used in Indian food. And then you have different types of chilies. And that constitutes the spice group that's used in Thai food and some of the Mexican food.
2: In India and also Thailand, they use curries. Yes. And what is the difference between an Indian curry and a Thai curry, they are different. What is a curry to begin with, and how do they differ?
1: Let me tell you this big misnomer called curry. There is nothing called curry. What? It, it is a very misunderstood concept. Curry in our world, in this side of the world, means spice. In India, we use curry to call anything that has two, which has a little bit of gravy and sauce in it. Somewhere down the line when we were ruled by the British and the translation went from Indian food to curry. Curry has no meaning in India in terms of spice. It just means something with gravy, something that's liquid.
2: So when we buy an Indian curry, it's, that doesn't exist in India. It
1: doesn't exist. It's actually garam masala plus turmeric.
2: So it's kind of the equivalent to French fries. Absolutely, they don't exist. And in Brussels, they just call it sprouts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. All right, well, you know
2: that that helps a lot. So, but you know a great deal. I think about pairing wines with all of these different kinds of spicy foods, and I'm just going to use the term spicy because sure, sure. it's what people really. Understand understand.
1: So what I tell people is if you're dealing with foods that have chilies in it, you feel the heat on your tongue, and so you pair differently. If you are dealing with foods that have spices and brown spices such as Indian food, then you feel the heat from within. That's why you sweat when you have Indian food sometimes. Well, trust me,
2: I sweat when I eat some Mexican food as well.
1: But it's a different kind of chili. With Mexican food, you go, <sighs> you know, you have... Right,
2: that, <sighs> exactly. You get that burn.
1: Yeah, you get the burn. With Indian food, it's a warming sensation. Hence the word warm spices. So you pair completely differently for them. So
2: you don't have to go running for a glass of milk.
1: Not with Indian food, because it's not going to help you as much. Do
2: Indians drink milk, by the way?
1: Yes, we do. One of the many misnomers (laughs) about India.
2: I'm just thinking (laughs) sacred cows here for a second, right? Which
1: is why the milk is actually very sacred.
2: You've got all these wines here. And Mm -hmm. uh, trust me, we're not going to consume mass amounts of wine, because the show will get really stupid toward the end.
1: In the big picture of pairing, just remember, if there is chili spice involved you counteract it with a sweetness in the wine. So like a sweet wine. And if there is a brown spice involved, then you counteract it with some fruit in the wine.
2: Okay, so a lot of the food pairing scholars Mm -hmm. will generalize to a great deal and they will say... If you're having spicy food, there's mm-hmm. that word again mm-hmm. which means different things to different people. They start pointing you to things like Rieslings that have some some sweetness to them and I've heard people recommend Rieslings for Indian food, but you're saying no.
1: I'm saying no to sweet Rieslings. The off-dry Rieslings, yes, because they have great acidity, they have amazing citrus notes, and they just have enough of that sweetness, the perceived sweetness, to complement Indian spices. But if you're having something that has chili in it, go for the sweet Riesling. And that's the biggest misnomer with Riesling, Gewaztraminers, and sometimes Pinot Gris. It's not really the sweetness coming from the sugar that complements the food.
2: Okay, now this is a really important uh, Mm -hmm. point here that you're making because there is a bit of confusion. In fact, I would say most people are confused by this point that I'm going to make, which is that the taste of fruit, the taste of the fruit in the wine is the same as sweetness, and they're not. And I have had people drink what would be a bone dry wine mm-hmm. that tastes very sweet to them. But what they're really getting is the fruit in the wine. They're not getting the sugar in the wine. There's actually no sugar in that bottle whatsoever. Yes. How do you tell the difference? You're a winemaker.
1: Right. There are so Varietals which will sort of do it for you. Pinot Noir has beautiful rose notes to it. Um, You might have a Cap Franc that has gorgeous cherries and berries to it. And just if you have a wine, the sugar you taste on your tongue and the sweetness of the fruit you actually taste it on your upper palate. And that's the basic difference. All right, so
2: I want you to stick out open your mouth stick out see, your that's tongue why I want to see your upper palate. <laughs> you show, show me that so upper palate. And
1: and the sweet wines will always be oily and koi, and the the wines without sweetness will always have good acidity and briskness to them.
2: Wait, oily and koi? Uh-huh. Like like koi carp?
1: Like like koi ponds?
2: Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. okay. So that upper palate that you're referring to mm-hmm. is where if somebody it's is if somebody's sitting there listening right now and they mm-hmm. want to find their upper palate, where is it?
1: I would say the best way to to discern this, take a ripe apple and a raw apple. They are still they still have fruit to them. The ripe apple, when you will bite into it, or let's start with the raw apple, when you bite into the raw apple, you still get the sweetness of the fruit, but you will get you will get it all over your mouth, not just on your tongue. And when you take a really like a bruised ripe apple and you taste it, the super you get sweet. It, the super sweet apple, you actually taste it on your tongue.
2: That's the first and place it hits. that's a heads. very
1: good way of discerning between fruit and sugar.
2: So the sugars on the tip of your tongue mm-hmm. and, and the, the fruit, the fruit literally is, is all over all your, over mom, your mouth. mouth. You've got yes. fruit all over your mouth. There
1: you go. That's why we uh, eat and drink.
2: Uh, we're talking to Nita Mittal. She and her husband, Kanal, Kanal Mittal. What a great name, huh? They make the LXV wines. You can buy the wines online and they can ship to any state that allows the wine to be shipped there, which is most of the states and some amazing wines. I can't recommend them more highly. So much of what your operation is all about is pairing spice and wine. Even in your wine club, don't you send spices out to people?
1: Yes, we make wine. One mantra at LXV is we make wines to pair with food. And when you have that as your wine portfolio, you do things very differently. You pick early, you're going for balance, you're going for acidity, you're going for almost as low oak as possible. Um, so all the LXV wines, they sing with food. And so what we do is we pair our wines with herbs and spices. So because,
2: the wines sing for their supper?
1: Oh, they they do, they do much more than that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a common misnomer about wine pairing with protein. But as soon as you introduce seasonings to it, the wine plays with the seasonings and the sauces and the spices. And so when we do these pairings at LXV, the idea is to demonstrate that the wine actually complements or brings out layers and layers in the, in the flavors and spices and vice versa. The spices and the, the herbs do the same for the wine. Wine and food pairing should be done in a way that elevates both. And that's the best way to do wine and food where you taste something in the wine that you didn't taste before and you taste something in the food that you didn't taste before. So whenever we ship out our wines, it goes out with a wine bottle and the seasoning, the spice, the herb that it is paired with and almost always with a recipe that is either originally my recipe or something that we have tried out as a team.
2: Okay, so we're going to have to take a break here and we're going to come back and we're going to taste what is in front of me. We have a samosa.
1: Yes, and, and I'm very and, and, excited. What's, and what's in that? A samosa is a deep Fried, uh, flash fried, um, almost like a pastry puff, which has very lightly seasoned potatoes and peas and some ginger in it.
2: Okay, and then we have some uh, non bread, and as that's well. more
1: like a palate cleanser. For and us. then the
2: wine that you've poured—this isn't one of your wines, but it's a wine by example, a wine that provides an example of the right thing to do, I would think. It's, and this is a what? It's so sparkling. this is a
1: sparkling wine. And samosa is fun. Samosas are served—you know—when you it's a ca- casual encounter. So a sparkling with that, anything that's fried, we know sparkling does really well but if you have a, a little bit of a sparkling with a bit of sweetness maybe an extra dry sparkling not necessarily a sec or a demi sec but just extra dry it also has that sweetness to kind of complement the spiciness in the stuffing that's inside and then of course the bubbles really play with the pastry that's on the outside okay
2: so we're gonna let the bubbles play with the pastry my guest is Nita Mattel she is a spice consultant spice expert winemaker And one of my favorite people to talk food and wine with. will be back with more Grape Encounters right after this.
3: If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at grapeencounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at grapeencounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called
2: Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information.
0: You're having a grape encounter with David Wilson.
4: Gourmet food, vintage wine, and you.
2: Rare fillet, cabernet for two. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and so glad to have in the studio Nita Mittal. She, along with her husband, Kanal, are the owners of LXV Wine. They make wine, but Nita is also an expert on pairing wine with spicy foods, especially Indian food. Nita, you are from India, right?
1: Thanks for reminding me.
2: We actually met on a call center. You were helping me fix my computer, I believe.
1: No, that was a different (laughs) Nita. I do have a call center in India, and then we attend all our wine calls there.
2: When we went to the break, we were just chowing down on a samosa and we had the bubbles that we were trying with that. Now, that equates to not just foods like the samosa, but nachos in Mexican food, Empanadas. Uh, egg rolls in in Chinese food. Anything that's sort of doughy fried food is a candidate for the bubbly, right?
1: Absolutely, because it has that great acidity to it and complements anything fried fantastic. And then depending upon what it is, samosa will have a little bit of spice, so you want to probably go for a little bit of a sweet one, or um, if it's not, then just go for an extra diet.
2: Okay, then why do I have a glass of red wine in front of me? What's the deal with that?
1: Because samosa is the quintessential Indian food, and you have to try it with red wine.
2: Okay, I'm about Um, to do that. Okay, so so what am I drinking here? So
1: this is a Cap Franc, so Mm. it has great acidity, and it has beautiful fruit on it, which is the sweetness that I was telling you about. So this has beautiful cherries on it, and this is to tell every person who thinks about a wine list in Indian restaurants or Mexican restaurants or Thai restaurants, please, red wine can be your greatest asset. Just give it a chance. Which
2: is really contrary to conventional thinking, right? Mm-hmm. This to me is absolutely spectacular. So what we did was we started with the sparkling wine, which is the obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're going to a red wine with grapefruit, not grapefruit, but grapefruit, mm-hmm. uh, not sweet, but lots of fruit flavor, all the same. So it's a little deceptive. And the pairing is remarkable. Thank you. Okay, so what's next? You've got something now that you've placed in front of me. It doesn't look all that appetizing. It's kind of uh, gloppy and green.
1: I'll tell all of you, just go for it. It is one of the most yummiest things on the menu. It's the saak paneer. And the reason I wanted to bring it to this pairing today was because it's representative of all the different vegetables that we have across various cuisines with a little bit of spices involved. All
2: right, you've got two wines in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. One of them is a albarino. Yes. That is not Indian in any way, shape, or form.
1: No, and none of the wines are, though.
2: Okay, well, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. It's an albariño and an off-dry Riesling. So and do
2: I taste the wine first or the food first?
1: One major thing about food and wine pairing, always taste the food and wine in your mouth at the same time. How do I do that? Usually, we chase food with wine or wine with food. The best way to do it is to have the bite and then All right, have the wine. that's what I'm going to do. So keep so talking. I'm going to
2: bite and sip.
1: So the, the Riesling and the albariño, or even a sommelier blanc, the thing about vegetables is... We oh, my God. Like I have no napkin. Oh, but I'm wiping it with my
2: finger right now. I got a green glob coming down. Mm, that's delicious though. It's a
1: delicious green glob. The beautiful thing about vegetables in, in cuisines like Thai, Indian, or most of the oriental cuisines is we lightly spice them. So you can get away with those beautiful whites that usually you mm. wouldn't go to for because, you know, they don't have that quote unquote structure. But you want this kind of wine with food and vegetables that don't have too much spice you to You do it.
2: not want the wine to overpower this food.
1: You don't want to. Oh my gosh, you know, that, that is matter.
2: an absolutely delicious pairing. I'm going to actually uh, take another bite of this, and then I'm going to actually drink a real true German Riesling at the same time. Is this a uh, dry Riesling, semi-dry? It's an, it's
1: an off-dry Riesling. Off-dry, yeah.
2: semi-dry. Semi-dry, yes. Okay. So it's a
1: hint of sweetness, a hint of perceived sweetness. And what it is doing it is also lending the aromatics to the food, because generally, unlike the other curries that you will have or the other dishes that you'll have in Indian food or other foods, vegetables don't have that strong aromatics. So it's great to introduce... A wine with beautiful aromatics. So I'm thinking that I
2: would like the Riesling to be just a little drier than this one.
1: I totally agree. So
2: dry Riesling. Mm
1: -hmm. Dry Riesling would be perfect. So what would be
2: some foods, uh, spice oriented foods and other ethnic foods that would be good candidates for this kind of pairing?
1: If you go into a restaurant and there is any sort of stir fry vegetable, vegetables involved, greens involved, it's always good to go with the crisp white acidic wine. How about something something like a
2: shrimp fajita?
1: The fajita part would go fantastic and if it's shrimp, that's great because you want white wine. With um, well, there's a reason I didn't say
2: beef or chicken.
1: Uh, but and chicken would be okay, though. No, even
2: beef. I know what you're saying. You're saying that it's a misconception that we always have red wine with beef.
1: Yes. Okay. And that's going back to the point I made earlier. It's not only about the protein. It's everything that surrounds the protein. Here you have a fajita, which is beef, but it's surrounded with these beautiful vegetables and maybe laced with a little bit of spice. So go for that white wine. That beef is delicate enough to do justice to the white
2: well, wine. Well, it's the tannins in the red wine that pairs with the fat in the beef, but also when you're talking about a food like fajita, there's not much fat in there to begin with, right?
1: Exactly. And you have beef, which is a small portion of the bigger picture of the tortillas and the salsa and the vegetables. But wait
2: a second. Are you an Indian that eats beef?
1: Uh, I'm a heathen Indian. I, <laughs> I sell wine and I eat beef. And right. I sometimes swear.
2: So we're going to move quickly on to the next food. This is no longer green goo. We have sort of an orange goo and a great big clump of something. What's that?
1: So this is chicken korma. And the reason I wanted to bring it in was because I wanted to talk about meats and vegetables that are braised in a spice sauce with either yogurt or cream or nuts.
2: Okay, so I'm going to take a bite here now.
1: So this is actually a tempranillo from Rioja. So I wanted to pair it with the rosé and the tempranillo. Mm. And this is chicken korma. So it's la- it's actually lamb korma. Mm. So this is lamb korma. So it has that amazing earthiness and sweetness of the lamb. And it has all the nuts and spices. It's delicately laced with spice. Okay, um, so
2: all this creaminess is... It's the same thing that we were talking about a little while ago about the fat and the creaminess. There's a lot of fat in this Mm -hmm. and how a red wine will help to break that fat down.
1: And that's why that that beautiful Tempranillo and Tempranillo has that amazing.
2: Oh, you know what? I didn't combine them in my mouth together. So Mm. I'm just going to put the food in my mouth. I'm sucking the wine up my left nostril right now. Okay, here we go.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll have to train you to do this the right Mm. way. But Tempranillo, it has the backbone to that heavy cream. And it's also, um, the new world Tempranillo, it delivers a ton of cherry and tomato sauce flavors, So, and it's followed by that that chunky uh, tannin. That
2: is delicious. And I I wanted to say one very important thing. Stay away from the water glass. You do not want to wash away all those nice tannins in the red wine. You totally screw things up when you keep sipping water with it. So don't do that.
1: And don't do that while tasting wine as well when you go Tasting, don't either. Just take a piece of biscuit or something, but do not have wine. But so wine and now,
2: since we don't have a rosé, and since I often talk about blending wine yes, on the radio, what am do I this. doing right
1: now? What so, am I doing? I'm witnessing something very evolutionary. I'm making so
2: a rosé on the radio.
1: David just mixed the Tempranillo with the Riesling.
2: It's a long shot, but we're going to try it. Are you going to try it too? Look at that! She's going for the. <laughs> she, she can't get the bottle open. So
1: All I'm right. Going, oh going, no! You're. I'm putting going to sp- top him, and yes. I'm actually going to put a shot of the. <laughs> Champagne in it <laughs> Okay
2: And this is okay by the way You don't object yeah. to this right As a winemaker
1: Not at all There should be no rules In food and wine I totally believe in that and all right, I made the perfect rosé amazing. This
2: is so delicious And frankly I'm going to take another bite Now why would I prefer The rosé to the red and
1: not prefer so much as just another option. Rosés are the most wonderful wines mm. you can pair with. You get the best of both worlds. You get the acidity of the white wines and then you get all that great phenolics and tannin, not to that extent of the red wine. So you're creating a wine that's perfect for food. Because if you think about it, food is just an amalgamation of so many different textures and tones.
2: Alright, we are talking today All Things Spice with a spice expert Nita Matal from LXV Wine. She and her husband, just astonishing winemakers, website is lxvwine.com and we'll be back with more food and wine. It's not just about Indian food, all things spice here on Grape Encounters Radio.
3: Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at grapeencounters.com. Grapeencounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Coravin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at Grapeencounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at Grapeencounters.com.
0: Grave Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com.
2: Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street. The historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at grapeencounters.com.
0: money may not buy happiness, but it will buy you some very good wine. And if that doesn't make you happy, you need to be listening to a self-help show, not Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson.
2: We are back with Grave Encounters Radio, which, by the way, the studio now smells like an Indian restaurant, but a darn good Indian restaurant. Speaking of darn good Indian cooks, in the studio with me now, Nita Mittal. She and her husband are winemakers. LXV wines, to be precise, on the central coast of California, but to also a consultant to many wineries and people who just want to know how to pair spice with wine. And when we say spice, we're not talking about hot necessarily. Can we just kind of clarify that one more time?
1: So spice is the warming sensation on your palate and sometimes from within. And it's okay if it comes from the chili or it comes from the brown spices. And also, it could mean herbs, because herbs come in the category of spices. Which
2: is why when you look at your spice rack... Mm-hmm. There will be herbs there. Exactly. Okay, what's in front of me now?
1: This is the quintessential Indian butter chicken or chicken makhani. It has a tomato base sauce, little honey, a cashew paste. Now this is going to be the like cashew sadi- paste.
2: So that's what they add to a lot of vegetarian foods to get the creaminess. Yes, they do. Instead of cream.
1: Yes. That's an amazing thing about Indian food is if you take the protein out, the meat out, there still is the way you do the vegetables that it can lend itself with good protein and good taste so, and the spices.
2: So if I went to a restaurant in New Delhi mm-hmm. and I ordered butter chicken, would they know what I'm talking about? Oh, that
1: was the birthplace of butter chicken, my friend. But they
2: would know that by that term?
1: Yes, it's butter chicken, and it was one of the dishes that the British made famous. In fact, chicken tikka masala, which is kind of a different rendition of butter chicken, is the national dish of Britain. Is there any
2: place in New Delhi called the New Delhi Deli? I'm just curious.
1: Why don't we go open one and see what happens? (laughs)
2: Okay, all right. So now I'm going to uh, taste two wines here that we're going to pair with this. And also, if we could talk about maybe some other comparable foods that we would pair these same wines with with other ethnicities, what would they be? But let's so, talk the wines so first.
1: About this specific pairing, I have a white and a red. I have a Grenache Blanc, so it has great acidity. It has a little bit of that spice note to it. And also I have a GSM, Grenache Syramo Vette. And And um, if you think of about about it, these are three varietals that have great fruit to them and also spiciness. So if you see a theme emerging here, David, spices go fabulous with Rhone varietals because Rhone varietals have fabulous spiciness to them.
2: But I don't want to assume that everybody understands what the Rhone varietals are. But I'm going to say this. There is no category, I think, in the wine-consuming world that is growing faster than the GSM, Grenache, Syrah, Moved, or Movedra. Mm -hmm. Some people call it uh, both. Those are Rhone varietals. And you're going to see that blend a lot more. I predict you're going to see as much GSM. And if you see that in the store, buy it. You're going to enjoy it. Don't buy a cheap one. Buy at least a modestly priced one. But also, one of the wines that we have here, we started with Grenache Blanc, which is a white wine that is getting a lot of traction right now. It is one of the – I'm going to just use a very sophisticated term. I hope I don't put anybody off by this pretentious term. One of the yummiest wines that you're ever going to taste, Grenache Blanc. Delicious. So uh I, I've tasted, uh, again, this butter chicken with the Grenache Blanc, fabulous. Now I'm gonna jump into the red, the yes, GSM.
1: And, yeah, and tell me what you think about it because the GSM has fabulous fruit. It plays with the nuts, it plays with the creaminess and it has spiciness to it. When you mm. pair food and wine, you also have to remember the wine should have certain notes of the food and the food should have certain notes on the wine. So you pair for the for the flavors, for the acidity, for the texture, for the the residual sugar. There are so many notes that you can pair on and it doesn't have to match on all notes. Sometimes just a single note can make a pairing beautiful.
2: So what is the single note with the Grenache Blanc, the white wine? For, and, and by the way, could I? what other white wines could I pair with this? I'm sure I could pair a Sauvignon Blanc.
1: A Sauvignon Blanc would be interesting, although uh, it has to be something that is not, you know, So Sauvignon Blanc can go from really grassy note to a little okay, bit of a Okay, how about a Viognier? Uh, I would totally vouch for. Okay, you would fact, vouch for Viennier, that. In fact, let me tell you, at the spice pairings that we do in LXV, our Viognier is paired with garam masala.
2: And another one, which also has a, a broad range, but I think you could find one that would really work, is a. Pinot Grigio. So, this is a Pinot Grigio with the buttered chicken.
1: I love that it has beautiful tartness to it. Is but it sh-
2: like a French Pinot Grigio? Hey, or? This is
1: actually a French Pinot Grigio. Good call. Can they even that. do that? Oh, well, French can do anything when it comes to food and wine. I totally believe in that.
2: You know what I think? One of the, the really great takeaways of this session is break
1: the rules. There are no rules. There Who are no
2: rules. That's the thing that people don't get about wine. They hear the wine snobs say, that you have to pair this with this. You can't do this. You can't blend your own wine. One of the things that I find very interesting, this is totally a sidebar. When I order a glass of wine, I will then, if I taste the wine, it doesn't taste quite right to me. I will ask them if they will give me a little sample of something else. Mm -hmm. And usually the something else is something I'm going to dump into that first glass of wine to fix it Mm -hmm. because they're not going to charge me for the taste. What do you think about that?
1: Wow, but that is the revolutionary way you do your- That is the
2: maverick that is David Wilson, for sure.
1: Okay, David, I have this one more thing that we cannot finish this show without.
2: Oh, okay.
1: This is the Indian- I'm like stuffed already. Oh, no, not without this. This is Indian biryani. Equivalent to sort of a paella in a way.
2: And, and finally, something that's not all gooey.
1: Oh, God, it is delicious. It's the, it's the um, quintessential spice and herbs and rice, and it's fantastic. You know what's it's, amazing? It's actually called the food of the kings.
2: The uh, Indian paella, I've heard. And by the way, I have no idea what is in so this I... other glass over here. This one I saw you pour. It's a pinot from Oregon, yes, which I happen to, you know, not a big Pinot fan, love Oregon Pinots, however.
1: And because it has those notes of violets and roses and vanilla, which really goes beautiful with the biryani.
2: Okay. But the other wine here is just given off so much uh, in the way of aromatics. And it's kind of a, a brown tinge, so is it oxidized or... It's just... Wait, a, i got not going to give it a sniff here.
1: It's late harvest. Oh my gosh. Who would have thought of pairing late harvest with biryani? Come here, I want to dab a
2: little of this behind your ear. Oh
1: my God, <laughs> okay. beautiful. No, okay. This is
2: beautiful. What, do I do the pinot first or, or The pinot first first? Right? Okay, sure. the pinot first, okay. Yes. And so I would again, tell what, am, what
1: am I eating here and why is, am
2: I doing this? This
1: is biryani. This is the culmination of all Indian cooking tradition. It is layered process of making meat and rice. Mm. It is really beautiful. The idea to do these two pairings, and I would say, anybody going to an Indian restaurant, please call for a glass of organ Pinot. organ Pinot, because it has those roses and violets on it. And call for a late harvest, almost something that is made out of... Grapes? Yes.
2: <laughs> made out of grapes.
1: Okay. But you will see um, the...
2: Okay, I, I just did the Pinot. It was just with the rice. So what is the meat here that I'm this
1: eating? This is chicken biryani, so it's chicken. All
2: right, so I'm going to take a, a piece of the, of the chicken now. And, and again, I'm drinking an organ Pinot. Not yes. a big Pinot lover, no. but do love organ pinos Because
1: biryani is very delicate. A lot mm. of Indian dishes can be a little bit... But heavy, but biryani is very delicate. And it this actually is takes hours and hours to make it. Why? And the peanut just has that beautiful, delicate notes to complement everything going on in the biryani. And I can't wait for you to do the late harvest with this. All
2: mm-hmm. right. This is the, the, the strange thing because i got a pretty good nose. It's a nice nose, right? It's
1: a very good nose. Okay, yeah.
2: Run? But I'm smelling the biryani mm-hmm. and then I'm smelling this wine, and they're like almost identical.
1: Isn't that This is crazy. You know, when I go to the Look, I, I idea. can't think of
2: any example where I have smelled this. What if this spices in here
1: i can tell you at least 25 to 30 different spices that go in a biryani we do do
2: not have time for that no
1: we don't but i we have time to say it is call me email me if you want um a spice blend that'll help you make this biryani
2: you've just asked millions of listeners to call you uh and and i quickly followed it
1: and i quickly followed by email me she's
2: (laughs) she's unlisted anyway okay so uh lots of spice needless to say this is like so aromatic the the food smells like perfume and then the wine, so okay, so now here, here we go. It's and the test. Mm. So that is one of the most perfect pairings ever. What is this wine? This is actually what is this? we've
1: not named any of the wines, but this one I would love to name. It's black manaka. It's made by made by one of the local wine. Black manaka. Here.
2: It sounds like a, a snake. It I was bitten by the black manaka. Dust.
1: It is actually a late harvest wine. And I'll tell you the beauty about this wine is wow. it has the raisins, it has that fig. And the idea I had about this pairing was when we make biryani, we actually add a lot of raisins to it. And at times so I, the thought came to my mind since we're not adding raisins to this biryani. How about bringing in a wine that has raisins in it or the raisin? Brilliant flavors in it and it pairs beautifully. Need us to say? Like oh
2: my it. gosh! Okay, so uh, the takeaway of all of this is
1: the takeaway y- of it. If if I may say something, oh so bit. forget me. You, no, go ahead. you're the guest. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, I'm the expert. Um, I'll say this: if you want, there is no general rule, but if there is a rule, rule and varietals. The second rule: there are no rules. So just look at what you like on a wine list and play with the food and wine. Third rule spices are the best way to complement why No, I have advice. the third rule. Stop. No, let's call it the fourth rule, Dave. Okay,
2: fourth rule is don't get caught up on the red and white thing because they both worked with Thai food. It would have worked with Mexican food. Yeah, most spicy food, spicy Chinese food, you know, the Kung Pao. You can pair red and you can pair white. And it really comes down to what works for you. But you've heard some really great rules of thumb, a lot of rationale behind it. And now we're going to clean up the mess before Sarah Schneider gets in here because if Sarah Schneider, wine editor of some Sunset Magazine sees the mess that we've made here in the studio. You know what
1: she's going to say, Nita? She's going to say, I can't wait to meet Nita Mittal.
2: (laughs) She's going to say, I think we're in the Sunset Magazine test kitchen. (laughs) Nita, what a privilege to have you on. There will be a link to LXV on the Grape Encounters uh, website, at least in the next couple of days. If it's not there, check back, but we will have it there. In the meantime, the website for LXV would be what?
1: LXVwine.com, or you can email me at info at LXVwine.com with any questions, comments you may have, and you can always order the wines online, and I will send a complimentary spice packet only for your listeners, David.
2: Or send smoke signals to the Indian wine goddess.
1: Uh, You are talking to her.
2: We will be back with more Grape Encounters and Sarah Schneider right after this.
0: Grape Encounters is 100% estate grown. We have, however, removed the pretentiousness and added a healthy dose of fun.
3: Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at grapeencounters.com. Grapeencounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Coravin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at Grapeencounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at Grapeencounters.com.
0: Grave Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com.
3: If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game-changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com.
0: She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider. And this is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio.
2: We are back with Grape Encounters Radio. Sarah Schneider is in the studio. And Sarah, have you had any wine today? Well,
4: since <laughs> I'm with you, David,
2: yes. Okay, I have to admit so that I have. We're, are you ready to get serious? We never really are very serious on the show, but <laughs> I want to talk about something serious today. Okay. Are you up for that?
4: Yeah, I get, think then, I am.
2: Well, then wipe that smile off your face. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is something we alluded to a few weeks back, and it's something that's very much been on my mind and also is very much on my mind because I do actually, run a wine bar as well as talking about wine. Yes, you do. And it's the subject of going wine tasting and overindulging. And I think once in a while, it's very important to revisit the notion that A, wine was never, I think, designed to be something that you get intoxicated with. Well,
4: I'm sure that there was a reason through the millennia that that people did want to drink their wine or their their fermented beverage. Okay, so I'm totally
2: wrong about that one. (laughs) Okay, I take that back. But I mean, really, we're all about talking about fine wine. Right. And when I see somebody chugging fine wine, it's kind of irritating to me. But the reality is this, is that when you go to wine country and you're doing a lot of tasting and it's really understandable that you want to go to as many tasting rooms as you can because you're only going to be there for however many days. Right. That the chances of overindulging are pretty strong. I think
4: that's true.
2: And I really think it's important for people to realize that when you are in a wine country, no matter where it's at, the people who are right and tickets and hauling people away to jail for DUIs are not any more lenient because it's wine country. If anything, they're more vigilant and they know that they're going to have more of a drinking and driving issue in wine country than other places. Do you agree?
4: I agree. And I think a reality check is in order for most of us. From my point of view, I'm a wine editor, so I'm in the business of recommending wines and recommending great tasting rooms in wine country. And I have to stop and re- remember that you are drinking an alcoholic beverage and too much of it is going to make you unsafe on the road.
2: When I'm at home or even someplace where I don't have to go out later and just sitting and enjoying a lot of wine, that's great fun. Sure. And no big deal. No harm done. But you've got to assess how you're going to get from point A to point B if you are not at your final resting place. Oh, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) No, No. this is not good. But you need to assess how you're going to get there. And there are so many options that are available now. And I, I will tell you that I know a lot of people who literally will leave their car someplace and then just call Uber because they realize that they're not in any condition to be driving. right? And those are very responsible people. And you see it happening more and more. And it's easier to get about these days.
4: And I can report that even in the industry, when I go to events where there are fellow wine media and and the trade with Psalms, there's much more getting a ride on Uber or Lyft leaving events than there used to be. And I think that this is kind of a game changer because Uber now has gone into some of the major wine regions, Napa and Sonoma. And, you know, until now, you could always hire a limousine, but that's really pricey. Or or you could have a designated driver, which is not as much fun for that person. But now the driving services are making it possible to get through an afternoon of tasting and get you back to your hotel all safe and sound. Although I have to kind of back up and say, I'm not in favor of going to six wineries in four hours anyway. I think that that defeats the purpose. You belly up to the bar and you taste your five or six wines and buy or, or not. And especially if you're in a region that has some sort of homogenous styles, let's say it's Napa, and you're talking about Big Reds, you know, by the fifth winery, unless you're spitting, which is, it is okay um, for normal people to spit in a tasting some room. Some people
2: just don't want to spit, Sarah.
4: I know that. I I'm no. not a big fan and, of
2: spitting myself, okay. but I am also not a big fan of finishing everything in the glass right. just because it's there. Because especially in tasting rooms, there is a good amount of wine that is going to be put in your glass that is not great. And I'm sorry, that's but that's, true. that's, that's a true. fact. The winery has to sell everything they made. The winery doesn't go into the woods and dump out <laughs> all the barrels of wine that didn't turn out the way they wanted them to. They sell every drop of it. And they, if they don't sell it to you, they're going to sell it to somebody else who's going to blend it with something or whatever, but it's going to get sold. So once you accept that reality, you will find it a lot easier to just dump the glass.
4: And it's okay not to like everything they pour you.
2: And if they are trying to work you over and trying to convince (laughs) you that that wine is great and it was made by pygmy elves or something, I don't know, uh, (laughs) but there's something special about that wine uh, and you don't like it, it's okay to say, I don't like it and pour it away. It is.
4: And limit yourself to the... The number of wineries because if you're in Napa, the fifth winery is going to taste an awful lot like the first and the second and the third.
2: It's called and palate fatigue. It is. You know what I think is really a good thing to consider too, as long as we're on the subject of transporting yourself and drinking wine, for about 50 bucks, you can buy a keychain breathalyzer. And I'm not suggesting that if the breathalyzer says that you're okay, that you should drive because if you're buzzed, don't drive, period. But even if you are questioning what conditions you feel that you're okay, you should still probably consider having a little breathalyzer and check your alcohol level because then you know for sure. I mean, even if you feel 100% perfect, it can't hurt, right? I think that's a great idea. Do you have idea. one of those? I don't.
4: I should fix that. I do. That. They
2: cost 50 bucks. And they're they're pretty accurate, mm-hmm. actually. And then they come with a lot of little extra rubber tips so that you can check your friends.
4: <laughs> well, that's fact, good, it's too. it's not a bad idea yeah. that
2: if you're having a, a party and, and you have friends that you think might be over the edge that you actually have them blow. And then you can show them and say, no, I'm sorry, Bill, but you're going to have to stay here for a little while. Because this is such a serious thing. If you get pulled over and you are arrested for driving under the influence, at a minimum, it's going to cost you like eight or 10 grand.
4: Oh, it's life changing from what I hear. You're going to go through
2: a lot of stuff you don't want to go through. So let's summarize then. First of all, spit. It's okay to spit. Yes. Second of all, it's okay to dump. Yes. Third of all, don't try to get in six wineries. Right. And you want to take number four Uber. Take Uber or Lyft. Yeah. And uh-huh. number five, consider a breathalyzer. Yeah. And number six, we didn't even talk about, but use those wine van services that they have. There's so many of them. Yeah, in wine country that's, now. True. That's, that's true. That's the best way. Yeah. I don't want to spoil everybody's they get you around. Seriously, I don't. It's like, yeah, that nice little glow that you get from wine is pretty nice, but it's not nice if you're behind the wheel. Thank you very much, Sarah. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Grape Encounters Radio. Next week, we're going to take you behind the scenes of the bodyest event in the wine world, it is Napa Gras at the Raymond Vineyard hosted by arguably the most colorful person in the wine industry, Jean-Charles Poisset. You don't want to miss it next week right here on Grape Encounters Radio.
0: You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.